0: in foster care by the age of two, adopted into a family at the age of four, over 50 siblings, finally found his mom after so many years, found out his dad died less than a year earlier, American Ninja Warrior twice, hit by a car once, over 30 injuries sustained after being hit by that car, in a medically induced coma for a week, a broken leg in seven places, Learned how to walk again after nine months. Is back doing flips and jumping out of airplanes. This is the story of Dre Newsom. And he's the guest this week on the Committed Man Podcast. I'm your host, Donovan Owens. Enjoy this episode. I'm not your guru. There's plenty of other people faking that status. I am a committed man willing to intentionally go to war with myself every day and share with you as I do it. These are the conversations I have with myself as I do the damn work, today and along the way. So no, I'm not your guru, but I am down to be your guide. So let's ride. Hey, what's going on, good people? Welcome to another episode of the Committed Man Podcast. I'm your host, Donovan Owens, and I'm excited about this conversation because I'm here with my good friend, Dre Newsom. Dre, what's happening, buddy? What's good? i excited to be here. Yes, sir. So I'll just go ahead and tell everybody, like, this is, this is uh, the third time we've jumped on, you know, we faced the technical difficulties, we persevered through it, and here we are about to do this thing. So I appreciate you being patient with it, man. Yeah,
1: let's get
0: it. Yeah, so you look, dude, you live a fascinating life, and I want to get into as much of it as possible, but the first thing I want to know from you is what has you excited about life right now?
1: What has me excited about life right now is just, you know, skydiving, traveling, and, you know, just helping people as a life coach uh, reach their potential. You know, I always feel empowered when I get um, when I get done with the skydive, and then I also feel like I'm, I'm doing my purpose when I get feedback from my clients that I'm, you know, changing their lives or I inspire them.
0: Yeah, that's, that's amazing work. And I want to get more into all that, but knowing where you're at now, what has you excited and, and knowing a little bit of your story, I think it's important for that we take people on a journey right now. So tell me, let's, let's go all the way back to childhood. So, you know, where were you born? What were the first couple of years of your life? Like, give me, give me some insight there.
1: Awesome. So I'll just give you a summarized version and then you can pick apart what what you want to talk about. Um, So from Toledo, Ohio. I was with my biological mom from born to two I uh, got separated from her at two years old she was involved in the gang life in uh, Toledo and children's services came and got us um, separated from her um, from two to four uh, two to four I was in foster care um, and then four to 17 I was adopted and then I moved out when I was 17 went to job corps went on to college and you know started my own life but um, I would say from 17 uh, From 4 to 17, I was adopted into a family of 32. And then when I was 24, I found my biological mom. I hadn't seen her since I was two. Got reunited with her. I found out my dad passed away a month before she found us. So there's a lot of, like, mixed emotions between my family because we look just like him and he just passed away. So um, Mm. we had that, you know, a lot of, you know, tension through there. But, like, I have a great relationship with my biological mom, trying to just catch up on everything she's missed. But also... Her realizing that I'm not at the point where I need to be uh, mothered, mother, whatever that, you know, like she, she kind of missed out, not in a bad way, but she missed out on those years that she tried to like reconnect with. And I'm like, I- I'm cool. I'm grown, It's cool. I- it's, it sucks. You missed out, but like, let's move on. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of tension from there between me and my brothers and her, but um, we're, we're good now.
0: Oh man. Okay. So, so much, so much there. So much there. All right. So let's go back. Let's just go through the journey. So, you know, separated from your mom at two So from, from two to four, you're in the, the foster care system. Do yep. you have any memories of being in that system?
1: It just, just flashes. I mean, I know names. I know what the playground looked like the house. I know rooms look like. I remember bits and pieces. It's literally just like if, if you're blinking, it'd be like an image blink another image blink i don't remember conversations i don't remember like 10 seconds of anything i just remember flashes like this room that person Mm. that name and stuff like that that's kind of what i remember
0: does it any of it resonate as a like an unhealthy or you know bad experience or is it not enough like that you remember it to for it to be articulated that way
1: Honestly, I, I don't really have a. I can't really put it into a summary. I've thought about this before, like recently, but like, there's nothing that strikes out as like, oh, I had the best time, or like, this is a really horrible situation. I just feel like I was being taken care of. You know, I was taken to the kindergarten or daycare, taken to the bus. You know, taken to the playgrounds. I just remember being taken care of.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. So then at four, you get adopted into a family and you got a whole bunch of siblings. So what's your earliest memory of that? Like, How, how did it feel going through that?
1: Yeah. Um, so in the beginning, it's honestly your kid. Life is full of like excitement and jumping off things and running, having a bunch of people that you can play with. So I remember the young years of being like just fun. Um, and then you can break out into maybe like being 9 to 12, where it was like, okay, now there's some structure. There's some school and you get rewards and you do good. You get this, do bad. You don't get that. And then, you know, there's a 13 to 17, like, okay, what do you want to be in life? You know, like who do you look up to? Like, what's your career path? You know, so um, I would kind of break it up into like phases like that. So if you were talking about the beginning, it was very just like, I was the fastest out of all my siblings growing up, so I was always like, let's play football, let's play basketball, let's run, let me race you, let me tackle you, just a lot of, like, games in a sense, um, and then, you know, like, 10 to 13, it was just a lot of me just finding out who I am, I was... You know, you I any of my siblings, I was very, like, just quiet and just, like, observant. And just, like, I would watch everything unfold. And then my parents would come to me and be like, Dre, what happened? Because I would always know. Because <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't get into anything. But I would just, like, sit and observe. And then 13 to 17, I would say I was very focused on I want to go to the NFL. I want to play football. So I was doing drills. So I was hitting the gym. I was, like, competing and, like, hey, race me real quick. You know, was just, like, random stuff like that. I was very focused on, hey. I want to play football. This is
0: what I want to do. Nobody's going to stop me. Mm, okay. So let's get into that a little bit. You, you mentioned, you know, you're at 13 year at that point where you started trying to find yourself. Now was this, were you figuring this out as like, I'm going to be a young man or were you just trying to find yourself as a teenager or were you seeing, I guess what i want to know, like, were you seeing years ahead? Like, who do I want to be? Or was it all about that moment?
1: It was a little bit of both. Like, I don't think I had the vision of, like, oh, what am I going to be like as a man? I don't think that really hit me until, you know, I was older. And I was like, oh, you got to man up and do stuff. Um, It was more just, like, I I was really shadowed by, like, I want to be a football player. I was super athletic, super fast. And so I didn't know how I was going to get there, but I knew I wanted to get there. And, you know, I didn't realize the importance of, like, not playing high school, how much that means because everybody's ahead of you. And so, like, as I was 13 growing up, you know, it's just like hit the gym, be fast and you're going to get your shot. Um, so I don't think it was main. I don't think it was really like I'm going to be a man. It's just like I'm going to be an awesome football player. <laughs> OK. All right. So you got I think reality hit me when I was older. But like growing up, it was very like I'm going to play football. and that's. It.
0: <laughs> OK, but you didn't play football in high school. Nope. Okay. So then you did like you got this idea in your head, like, I'm gonna be a great football player, didn't play football in high school, then you're like, I'm gonna go play D one football in college. Right. Who who thinks yeah. like that? Like who <laughs> who's thinking like that, right? But you were able to make it happen. So tell me about the moment the idea came from idea to actually making it happen.
1: Yeah, so the idea started when I was probably like ten. I raced one of my older brothers and I beat him. I was like, oh, I'm pretty fast. And then just growing up playing, you know, community football, and, you know, backyard football, just like doing moss catches over my brothers and like just dodging everybody. One against 18 of my siblings. I would just get untouched. I would have like college kids from Bow- Bowling Green University come in and hang out with us. And same thing. I'm like, these guys are 20, 30, and I'm still like shifting them. Um, I got the nickname Dante Hall, if you remember him from the Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, and so I got that nickname growing up, just like, oh, Dante Hall. So it was just like seeing my work being put into, you know, action when I was young and just like fueling me like, Oh, I'm actually good at this. Um, and then, um, you know, 17 happened, you know, the, the reality of like, okay, what are you going to do? Are you, where are you going to go to school? Um, so I think I went to, so I went to Moorhead state and, uh, I walked on the first year cause I knew I couldn't get a scholarship obviously. I walked on the first year, um, well, actually, no. So I asked the coach to walk on. And he said, no, it's very disrespectful for you to just jump in here and play for my team when these kids have been working since they were 8, 9, 10, mm. whatever. So he gave me this huge spew about, like, I'm, yeah, I play tennis or something, pretty much, is what he said. Um, which, I, I mean, looking back, I understand where it was coming from. But I was like, bro, let me just at least try out, you know what I'm saying? So this next year, he gets fired. A new coach comes in. I'm like, all right, same pitch. Hey, no high school experience. I at least want to try out. And then he's like, oh, we have walk-on tryouts this day. So I went, showed out, got the call back, made the team. So this is my first time, like, putting on pads and a helmet and <laughs> playing football. So, I mean, long story short, it was very humbling. You know, it's it's I was still the fastest in drills and, like, one of the fastest in drills and like all the like conditioning stuff. And like, I was always athletic still on the team, but you know, like whenever it came to game time, speed, you know, it was something I had to get adjusted to and, you know, not, not being able to see your peripherals. Um, mm. so I mean, I didn't, I didn't get actually playing time until I was a senior, but I would like go 110% during practice. And was like, why is he trying so hard? It's like, this is the only game time I get is like practice. And so I would give 110% try to get noticed. And I even told the coach when I walked on, I was like, Hey, I don't care if it takes me all my college career. If I get one play, it's a completion for me. And so senior year comes up and <laughs> I remember this game, like totally fine. So the, the game comes in on a backup special teams behind a dude named Brandon. And I see Brandon, he's a cornerback. I'm a cornerback too. <clears throat> so I see Brandon, uh, Brandon's in this guy, he's throwing a touchdown, and it's like a 60-yard touchdown. Brandon's like running after him really hard. They scored a touchdown, and I'm like, oh, Brandon's not going to do kickoff. He just ran like 60 yards, trying right? to chase that guy. So in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, this is it. And then um, the coach is looking at the depth chart, and he's like, Brandon. And then Brandon's looking at me like, Drake, I can't do it. And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> so coach is like, Brandon, come here. And Brandon's like, I can't coach. I need a break. And then he looks try, try. And everybody's like, oh, shit. everybody knows my story. So they're like, try, try. So yeah. I get hyped up. I get my helmet on. And I've never put my helmet on. So I forgot to strap up. forgot to strap up, but I'm like, I'm like, oh, shit!" And everybody's like, let's go. Um, so get in the play, Um, run down there 110 miles an hour, get uh, lit up, <laughs> my helmet flies off, and I'm right next to the other team's, I'm right next to the other team's sidelines. So you got them cheering, like, oh, you just got lit up. Then you got me cheering, like, yes, I'm in the game. My teammates are like, yeah, Dre, in. And so it's just like, everybody's just like, "Whoa!" the referees are like, what is going <laughs> on here? And I don't know, I'll never forget that moment. Because, like, even though, yeah, I did get lit up, but it wasn't the end of the world, and I was just happy to be there. Um, yeah, so I, was, I played, like, a total of, like, ten plays in my college career. i always remember yes, that one. Yes, sir. I got one uh, half tackle, half tackle. Like, Take you know, it put on my resume but take it <laughs> yeah it was it was it
0: was interesting <laughs> man that's an amazing story and the fact that like just seeing you smile through that and remember those moments like you know a, a lot of college players are like they're looking at these huge moments right like you gotta you gotta be the best and make these plays you told the coach hey if I get anything I get to play one snap it's a victory for me I'm right good. but you got 10 you got 10 <laughs> and, the first, and the first one you get your helmet knocked off yeah, yep. that's living. <laughs> that's living right there, man. So, all right. So, you get through the college career, and then what happens next for you in life after college?
1: Yeah. So, um, in college, I was a dance major and um, dance major, audio video, video production minor. Mm-hmm. Switch that. Audio video production major, dance minor. I mascotted and I played football. So, those were four of like the career paths I could have chose. Um, after playing football. I would realize that, okay, bro, I'm not going to make it to NFL with four staffs on my belt. And also, you know, I liked football, but I wasn't as passionate about, like, going to be an NFL star. You know, I could have went the arena football route or maybe train harder or whatever. But, like, it just wasn't a passion for me anymore. Um, I got really involved in dance. I became the dance captain of my university and was in, like, 10 to 12 different productions over time. So that was, like, my main focus at the time. So I ended up touring for a dance company for a year. And, in between those times, I would audition for like stunt gigs because I was still doing parkour. I was still interested in being like a stunt performer mm. and uh, after I got tired of touring for a year, I got into uh Marvel Live, which is like the biggest stunt show in the United States. Uh, it tours all over, and I had the idea of maybe I could this will catapult my catapult my career as far as like movies and stuff like that so if you look on IMDb, I got a credits resume of like seven different small productions, nothing major. But I've been on uh, Netflix Ultimate Beastmaster. I've been on Ninja Warrior twice, I've been on a couple small music videos. So I was really gaining traction. And then this is where the stunt accident comes into play. But basically, I go to three auditions, and the last audition, I realized that I wasn't getting a callback. I was, I was just going to the audition. They were like, "Oh, you're doing great. We'll call you." and i never got called back so the last one i recognized the dude from the show hit him up was like hey what's what's stopping me because i feel like i'm doing everything i'm supposed to and he's like well what you do is you go to audition you ball out and then you also submit the, to them an audition video and in that video you put everything you can't do at the audition so if you're good on BMX, snowboarding um, obviously you can't do that at audition um if you're good at um fighting techniques with maybe like nunchucks or knives whatever just put in that video to say hey this is what else i can do and he mentioned jumping over a car and i was like well i can do that but i want to do the same thing you did i want to flip over a car and that's where the inspiration for my stunt accident came from um and then that's another rabbit hole if you want to pick apart anything i said
0: oh man yeah we knew we were going to get there so <laughs> before we get to the stunt accident which if you're listening to this make sure you hold on for this story before we get there I want to know so at at, at this point how old are you um, before this uh, right before the stunt accident yes yeah, so the
1: stunt accident I am 25 25 uh, 24 gonna be 25, gonna be
0: 25 25 so you're you're basically seven years into manhood right so how are you viewing yourself as a man at this point in your life
1: well this is this is something that I had to think about who I was at the time because looking back I can tell you dang I held myself back but I think I was just very limited in my potential like knowing what I can do now after my accident like I held myself back so Mm. much I would do stuff where people are like oh you're so athletic but like I did not realize how much more I could have done (laughs) you know what I'm saying so thinking back of 24 year old Dre it was very like I'm gonna be a stunt performer, blah, blah, blah. And honestly, I could have been anything. Like, I had that athletic ability to get into skydiving at that time. I, I could have, you know, like gotten more into dance. I could have gotten more into fitness competitions, stuff like that. And I've only done that after my accident, you know what I'm saying? But, like, I just think I was very limited as far as, like, when I had a goal, I just shot for it. You know, the same thing with, like, football. Like, I was like, hey, I'm playing football. And then I lost passion. Then I was like, I'm dancing. And I lost passion. And then I was like, okay, well I'm gonna be a stump performer. But I honestly think um, I limited myself on like just branching off and doing other things. Like you could still be a stump performer but also be versatile. And I think I put all my eggs in one basket when I could have been a little bit more versatile. And then thinking of my mindset at that time, I was just very um this is the way and I'm gonna go 110%.
0: Let's let's get into the story. This is the part everybody wants to know about. Um, so you end up having this this crazy accident. But it started with you, you went to one of these auditions and this guy gave you some feedback and he said, you know, you can do these things and you're like, well, I don't want to just do it like you've done it. I want to do it better than you've done it, right? So I want to be able to do a flip over a car, not just jump over a car. So exactly. when did you like you, did you start by just flipping over a car? <laughs>
1: or like, How does
0: this build up? How do you get to this point?
1: <laughs> Alright, so you got to go back to college for that. And um <laughs> Saw a random YouTube video with some uh, some buddies and we saw somebody jump over a car and I was like, it'd be pretty cool to flip over a car. And he had a low car and we were like, yeah, yeah, we should do it one day. It was kind of just like throw it out there. Pipe dream. And then fast forward to him mentioning jumping over a car again. I just triggered and then randomly I saw him post maybe like that week or the week later. Hey, I got this. um, I got this new. Uh, I don't know if it's a new car, but he posted his car and it was low. And I was like, oh this is a sign so i hit him up and was like hey you still got that car xyz um auditioning for this gig and i want to flip over car Are you down and he's like yeah and so we uh decide to do that on a sunday this random day it's july 27, six at this time and we decided to do it on the 29th but i want to practice so the 28th is the saturday before let's warm up let's do everything to make sure it makes sense. And then Sunday, full sun. So we get there uh, Saturday and we probably go through it with with the illusion. So basically the car is going here and I'm standing in front of it. And as we, it goes over me, I'm flipping over just to see if the timing's right and make sure I get hype. So um, during this whole time uh, in the gym, the tumbling gym where I teach at, I'm still stacking mats up and jumping high. He measured his car. He told me how high it was. So I was clearing it in practice get to the day on Saturday, clearing it. I would say eight out of the 10 times, the shots will look great. My timing, the heights, we even had a hat on the ground so that I know when he's at this point, I need to be at the hat. And if I'm not at the hat, don't jump. And so we had it all mapped out. And then something hit me and I was like, you know what? I don't think I'll have the same energy tomorrow as I'm having right now because I'm clearing this thing like easy. And you guys want to just do it now? I was like yeah sure let's go so um, the plan was if anything happens let me decide let me decide so let's say for <sighs> example he um, I don't know sneezes um, I don't want him to pump the brakes I don't want him to speed up let me control because if I know something's off I'm gonna jump out of the way that was the plan because if I'm ready to go and he's not I'm gonna flip on his car I'm gonna flip in front of his car he, like he has no idea if I'm jumping or not so I said full send, Put it on you know like set control whatever you need to do just hold it and let me adjust to it so that was the plan so that we wouldn't mess up the timing so based mm. on um the, what happened obviously and based on the video the audio the sound of his car and my steps i just think that um the timing was off and the fact that he had a six shift and when he shifted it makes a sound and that sound was supposed to be like 10 feet prior based on what we uh, practice. And so as he was coming at me, I heard that room and I was like, oh, that's not supposed to happen right there. And so he was already too close to me. And it came to the point where if I jumped out, I have to think about jumping, squat, and then jump out. And by then he still would've got me. Um, I could tense up, he would've got me. I could jump and he could clip me and I flip and I chose to jump a little bit. So he did clip me, flap in the air, four or five times laying on the concrete, unconscious. Um, everyone there said he was going faster than what we practiced. The sound of his car, which is just the timing was off when he shifted gears. Um, he said he kind of just like blacked out as far as like, he, he knew he was supposed to go this mount and then he just held it. Um, there's nothing about the accident that I blame him for. Like if I were to redo it, it was never the stunt. It was just me not being responsible of hiring somebody that's a professional. Um, it was just friend with the low car. Let's do it. And I didn't realize how serious this, the bad side of it could be. I was like, well, if I don't do it, maybe you'll hit me and I'll walk off. Blah, blah, blah. But, you know, 45 miles an hour is not <laughs> something to play with. Um, so, yeah, I always tell people, I'm like, it's nothing that has to do with him. He was just a guy with a low car, a friend with a low car that I asked to do it. He said, yes, yeah, so let's do it. If I were to rewind time, I would do it again because it was not the stunt. It was just the timing and making sure that somebody could do it under pressure. I don't know what happened in the car, whether he got freaked out, sneezed, whatever, but obviously it didn't work out. So, uh, yeah. So I get hit by a car unconscious, um, but medically induced coma for a week, um, shattered my leg in seven pieces, 32 injuries altogether, broken finger, broken rib, broken vertebrae, um, uh, brain damage, uh, had pneumonia at one point, seven surgeries, couldn't walk for nine months. Uh, It happened July 28th and I wasn't myself until November of that same year. Like I was just loopy on drugs or just out of it. Um, But what held me together was mainly my, I talked to you about it, my coma dream that I talk about. Um, it It was very short, it was like five, 10 seconds, but that was my anchor that I'm gonna make it out of this. And then the other anchor was just the fact of everything I've been through in my life, you know, like walking on, playing college football, you know, like being a stunt performer, being on um, Netflix, um, being um, homeschooled and graduating college, you know, being adopted in a huge family, but still making it out. You know, all these negatives I've already overcame. So this was kind of just like the next chapter. I'm like, all right, here we go. Let's get it. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs)
0: Bro, like, I'm sweating right now just going through this, right? Okay. Um, and I, I tell you, this story is not about me at all, but you saw me throw my hands up a second ago. You said it happened on July 28th. That's my birthday. Yeah.
1: Hey.
0: <laughs> that's my birthday, bro. So,
1: that's
0: we're not, we're not going to say that means anything. I'm just saying, like, that's my birthday. That's uh, uh, and now... There's something else. So all these injuries, but there's something you glanced over that I want you to go into as detailed as possible mm-hmm. and like script this thing out. So you mentioned yep. this coma dream. Yep. Right. Let's let's go through the coma dream.
1: <laughs> all right. So the coma dream, you know, I was out of it, you know, in a coma for a week, a week, medically induced for about a week and some change. Um, so from the time the accident happened, I remember getting hit to waking up and I hear people, you oh, know, everything's going to be all right. You're blah, blah. That was like a minute you know what i'm saying but obviously i lost like 10 days um the dream within that minute was maybe 15 seconds and it's crazy how time works and the brain dreams and all that stuff but anyways so um i open these doors and i'm an all-white room there's aisles of just people clapping and cheering for me i don't Know anybody, I just know faces and like, oh, Dre, you're like, looks great. Oh my god, you look great. Look at you, you're walking. Just I'm walking down, and people are just cheering, clapping, random people. And I get to the end of the hallway, I open up these other doors, big bright light, and then boom, I hear people praying for me, and like, it's gonna be all right. So that dream was just kind of like, oh, that was weird. But then when I reflected, maybe like six months later, I was like, hold up there's something about that dream that made me realize that, Hey, it's going to be okay. Like I had no idea. I broke my leg at that in that dream. And I was over here, like, where are they talking about my leg? You know what I'm saying? But I use that as a sign that it's going to be all right. Everyone's going to be cheering for you in the future. Everyone, everyone's going to be happy for you for walking. Um, and then another thing was I knew cause everybody, you know, nurses, doctors, friends, they would say stuff like, uh, it's going to be a long time. It's going to be a long journey, X, Y, Z. And so I knew what would happen if I gave up or if I played the pity party, like i would probably be in a wheelchair. I wouldn't be able to do the things I wanted to do. And, you know, there's statistics about people not coming out of this on the other side. And I was like, well, let's see what happens if I go 110%, you know, like if that's still 110% mindset, and I'm like, let's see what happens if I never give up, just listen to my doctors, do what I'm supposed to do and then try to flip this. And from that moment on, I was just, like, smiling, happy, just Mm. like, I got this, man. I got this. And I just kept reflecting back to that dream because that dream could have been anything. But to me, it was, like, the future. Like, this Mm. is going to happen if you want it to happen. And so that was my anchor. And, um, yeah, I achieved it.
0: Beautiful, man. So how does that moment affect your your mindset today is it you still anchor back to that
1: yes i also always anchor back to that in moments of adversity um it could be something like a spartan 5k 5K, 10k 50k that i'm just like ready to throw in the towel and i'm like bro like six years ago you can do any of this you know you were lying in the hospital waiting to dang i can't wait till i can flip again till i can run again and um it kind of just motivates me in like any area I can as far as like this is where you used to be, you have an opportunity. You get to do smart races. You do you get to flip again. You get to skydive and stuff like that. And so I just use it as like, hey, this is like kinda like my second life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you 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 know what it what it looks like to not you know, to be at the bottom of the barrel, to be at rock bottom and you have an opportunity right now to make future Dre proud, you know, when I'm 40 years old to be like, Mm. remember that time when you got hit by a car. Also remember that time, 10 years later when you got your Scott app license and you started motivating people. Remember that time when you finished the high rocks competition and, you know, coming off a broken leg and stuff like that. So like, it's, it's always an anchor to just fuel me. Maybe it not be, might not be as deep as it was when my accident, but I can still use it as like, Hey, you get to do everything right now that you're doing because you never gave up in the past.
0: Man, really powerful story. And I appreciate, I'm so glad that you made it through all of that. Didn't die because a lot of people would die from an incident like that. Right. Um, you know, if you have the right kind of head injury or whatever, uh, being able to come back and learn how to walk again, taking those first steps and now getting into everything you're doing, which I want to talk exactly. about because you're like in a whole you're in this whole next phase of your life. Right. Exactly. Uh, so skydiving license, you're cliff jumping, you're traveling to different states and inviting other people to skydive. Yep. Uh, you're teaching people how to flip. You're like you're you're coaching. You're into all these things that seem to fill your cups. And so tell tell me about um let's talk about the skydiving first. What made you want to get into the skydiving and where is that, where do you feel like that's leading you?
1: Yeah, so um, that started with, I have notes, I have notes and uh, as as like bucket list things in my notes in my phone. And uh, the week that my doctor gave me a full recovery, I was looking at my notes and skydiving was on the top of the list. And I remember my mindset when it came to skydiving, it was like, oh, that'd be cool. One of these days, and I realized after my accident, there's no such thing as one of these days. Beautiful, mm-hmm. make that day. <laughs> and I was like, all right, full send. So that week I booked a skydive, went on my first one. Most people are scared. I was cheesing the whole time. Like, yes, I'm human. I got nerves, but I was like, so pumped on adrenaline and like, bro, I just overcame this crazy 14 month recovery process. Like, let's get it. And so skydive, everybody's like, Hey man, if you want to get your license, blah 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 and i was like let's do it <laughs> and so it didn't take me till i moved to austin to where i actually met somebody randomly that was getting his license and i was like oh yeah i remember that and so i started getting my license with him then another friend and all three of us kind of just like started getting our license together um became a licensed skydiver uh in about a year less than a year and then i got my b license and i was like okay well now what and i just keep trying to raise the bar and the next thing was skydiving in all 50 states then i realized talking to people about skydiving so many people used to be like me as far as like oh yeah one of these days oh that sounds cool maybe and i'm like no you can do it tomorrow matter of fact i'm going tomorrow what's up and you know i've had a handful of people just like spontaneously just like mm. sure and then some people are you know still very timid which is fine but like i've noticed if i just start the conversation you'll be surprised at how many people will skydive
0: so, I feel like there's something here. Like, you feel like this is your thing, like your niche where you could use skydiving as a way to create transformation in people's lives because you're also like the life coach and you skydive. Are you, are you feeling it's something so, here?
1: It's funny you mentioned that because through my program, if you finish it, I give you a free skydive. It's all covered by me through the program. <laughs> yeah. You have to finish it and you have to. I mean, obviously, I say yes. Some people are like, yeah, it's not my thing. Totally fine. But I've already had three or four clients just. Booked their Scott Ave and I paid for it, and now you have no no excuses. Like it's free, just jump. You know what I'm saying? And just knowing that they fulfilled or they had a goal through my program, they achieved it, and now you get this reward. And it's such an empowering feeling for me. And hearing feedback from them, it's like, oh my god, why didn't I do this before? So yes, like you said, there is a correlation between Scott Ave and my coaching, and just like meshing it together.
0: (laughs) Man, I love that. That that's uh something different for sure. Now, when they, they, you give them this, uh, reward at the end, do you jump with all of them?
1: I try to, I mean, uh, some people are in different countries. One's in Maryland, one was in Texas. And I offer like, Hey, you can come down to Texas, Uh, but, um, if it's not convenient, then obviously just send me the receipt and I'll reimburse you.
0: Amazing, man. (laughs) Well, so what's next for you, man? Uh, So uh, how many states so far? How many states?
1: Fifteen states right now. Fifteen states, okay. My birthday is September 20th, and I'm doing a five-state road trip to Scott Avenue, five more states. I'm going from Texas all the way to Florida, hitting those bottom East Coast uh, states. And then, um, yeah, I'm kind of just going to chill out, you know, like focus a little bit more on my business, stack up. And then next year, my plan is to do New England from Maine all the way to North Carolina. So that's my big Road trip. I might take two weeks. Might take three. But I want to start at Maine and just like hit all those little states, and end up somewhere in South Carolina. Hopefully, that's the summer goal for next year.
0: <laughs> Man, this this is amazing work, and I like how you've linked it to the life coaching. Um, so, what? Uh, what? Tell me about your life coaching program. How, how does How does it work?
1: Yeah. So it's um it's based on archery. So it's called Aim ambition inspiration motivation we figure out what you're aiming towards and then i help you hit your target so a lot of times i explain it like boxing um in boxing you have your um opponent and so you are my client your coach in boxing doesn't fight for you he sees things you don't see he's going to give you feedback when you're on the um on the in the corner he's going to see everything you can't see but he's not fighting and so as a coach my job is what's your goals? Okay. There's a reason why you're not hitting your goals. There's a uh, clutter. Maybe there's limiting beliefs. Maybe there's um, habits that you haven't mm-hmm. formed that are going to lead you to X, Y, Z. And so my job is to see things that you can't see, give you the right tools to achieve them. Um, so a lot of people try to confuse me with like a therapist <laughs> and like, I'm like, nah, I'm not there. I am your support, your accountability, and giving you the right tools and system to hit X, Y, Z. So it's a 12 week program. Um, we start from scratch. Okay, let me, where are you at? What are your goals? And what's stopping you from achieving those goals? And before we even start the program, when I have that first call with you, I need to make sure you're ready for change. Because like I said, there's a reason why you haven't been hitting your goals. So there's a reason why you're calling me or you're talking to me is because you want change. And so if you're at the point in your life where you're you want to know how to change, but you're not ready to do it, then we might not be a good fit because I don't want to waste your time. And I don't want you to waste my time. When we start the 12 weeks, let's go. And you know, some people are going to have pushback, which is fine. Let's get that out of the way week one or week two. But if you're ready to at least try something different because your way hasn't been working, let's get it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So the first four weeks I can usually weed out people. with like, eh, this is not for me or let's go. And like, it's very clear after week one, like if they're ready for change or not. Um, But yeah, I I love people that can stick to the process, try new things, um, get comfortable being uncomfortable. But I think the biggest thing for me is a motto that I tell my clients, small hinges open big doors. So if you want to lose 20 pounds, let's start with the half a pound today. (laughs) Let's start with Getting a gym membership today. Let's start with um, stop eating those X, Y, Z. You know what I'm saying? Let's start small and then let's build on that. Small hinges open big doors.
0: Yeah, man. I love that. Aim. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Where can people find out more about Aim?
1: Aim. Uh, where? Yeah. Yeah. I got a website. Um, aimcoachingprogram.com. Uh, you can check out my Instagram. DreadheadDre underscore. I have my website linked under there. Um you can also email me at coachnewsum.com uh at gmail dot com. Um but yeah, those are typically the three biggest ways to connect with me.
0: Awesome. I'll, I'll link all that stuff in the show notes. So what what um does it mean to you to be a committed man?
1: It's <sighs> a good question. Never been exit, but now that I think about it. <laughs> Um, to me, it means just, just showing up. Um, I've always been big on, like, loyalty, and I've always been told that I'm that friend that I know if Dre texts me. He's probably going to give me a text back, whether it's what I want to hear or not. Whether it's um, I get a call, I'm going to call him, he's probably going to give me some feedback. And so I've always had loyalty, you know, held you know very dear to my heart and just, like, um, showing up for my friends, for people that need me. Um, so being committed is continue, continuing showing up. Uh, continuing to uh, stand on my word and set my set goals and then achieve them. So if I tell you, Hey, I'm going to do X, y, Z, I really, um, it fulfills me to a year from now, do that thing and tell you, Hey, remember a year ago I did X, Y, Z, like that, knowing I did that committed to that. It, I love it. You know what I'm saying? Just saying what I did, saying what I want to do and then doing it. Like, it might not mean a lot to you, but to me, it's like, yeah, remember that thing
0: I told you about? Yeah. 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 I did. Like, I love that. Yeah, man. I love your explanation. And it, it fits perfectly with something that I, I, that came across and came through me yesterday. Um, and that is, you know, a lot of people think of CYA as cover your ass. Right. But I think of it as complete your agreements. And so, And those agreements can be as small as possible or as big as possible. What happens that I found is a lot of men, especially, have a lot of incomplete agreements in their life. They told somebody they were going to do something. They told themselves they were going to do something. They started a project, didn't finish it. Um, They have a car, they don't take care of; it's dirty or whatever. Like there's, when you have something, you have a responsibility to take care of it. In my opinion, right? And when you don't, you have incomplete agreements in your life, and all these things require energy. You know. And um, especially our our in our interactions with other humans. And one of the things I appreciate about you in the short time I've known you is the little things. Like I, I watch, right, the little things, the details <laughs> of, you know, you said you were going to send me a text, and you sent me a text, and you're like, oh, you know what? I apologize. I didn't hold myself accountable. Let you know if I'd be there next Thursday. Which that I didn't ask you for that, right? But you you have a certain standard I can tell of yourself, and that comes through. And it's refreshing to find somebody like that because that's the way i live my life and sometimes it can feel like you're on an island like does anybody else understand right like <laughs> this this and we talked about it at the empowered brotherhood does anybody else understand yeah. this integrity that
1: yeah.
0: that is it's beautiful to have that's not easy but it's beautiful to have it right and the first right. two letters of integrity are i n in it comes from you got to have integrity with yourself first yep. and so i say all that to say i've noticed that from you um, so I'm connected to you in that way. I love that you show up that appreciate way it. and I appreciate that for sure. So, uh, I'm going to link everything that you talked about in the show notes. Uh, I appreciate your explanation on being a committed man. I'm glad we finally got this interview done. Um, <laughs> and your story is amazing, man. And you know what? We didn't even get to, we didn't even get to the, the amount of siblings that you have. Oh, yeah, <laughs> let's talk about that real quick, like we don't have to go too deep, but like you you talked about yeah. going through the foster system you talked about yeah. uh being adopted and ended up with a bunch of siblings there and then reconnecting with yeah. your mom and then finding out there's more siblings, so how many total yeah. siblings do you have?
1: yeah all together I have fifty four <laughs> I have one full mom full full blood, same mom, same dad okay. um I have four from my mom twenty two from my dad, and thirty from adoption mm-hmm. or The math is a little spotty, but altogether, something like that. 54, yeah, it's 54. Bro, amazing. When when is
0: when is the book coming out? That's what I want to know. When is when is it?
1: (laughs) I think when I can slow down a little bit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) When you're not flying through the air. (laughs)
1: Exactly. I I just have my hands on a lot of things right now, and I I don't think I can sit down and walk and write and be present and write what I need to write. Right. I'd kind of just be like throwing stuff out there.
0: I can tell you, man, you have a very powerful story that I think will connect with anybody, but especially men. And when we're talking about, you know, struggles, successes, all the things that a man can go through, the identity, finding yourself, setting your mind to something and achieving it. Talking about, you know, starting with walking on, playing football. Um, There's a lot there in your story. So when you do decide to sit down and write that book, uh, I'll be the first one to line up to get it because it's powerful. man. (laughs) Appreciate so it. I appreciate your time. Uh, I look yeah. forward to doing this again. I, I think life evolves always. So look forward to having exactly. you back because you have a lot of exciting stuff going on. So I'm sure oh, we'll yeah. chat with you. And I'll see you most Thursdays, you know?
1: Hey, let's go. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate you having me on.
0: All right. Thank you, man. Peace.